Sober Powered is sponsored by BetterHelp. I was a stress drinker, and I thought, if only I didn't have so much stress, I wouldn't have to drink this much. But do you know why I had all this stress? Because I didn't have the skills to take stressors off my plate, so they built up and wore me down. Some stressors are big and others are small, but carrying around 25 minor annoyances is going to have an impact on you. Plus, did you know that alcohol messes with our stress response system and decreases our ability to handle stress? It makes small things seem like a much bigger deal. Learning how to manage stress and take things off my plate has changed my life. I'm calm, I'm less reactive, and I believe that I can handle whatever comes my way. I feel proud of the way that I handle things now. You can get there too. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com sober to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash sober. Tossing and turning all night like a salad. It's time to put those sleepless nights to bed for good. Enter Tanasi, my sleep saviors, and they have science to back up their sleep, anxiety, and pain-relieving powers. Back in 2016, they invested a $2.5 million grant to Middle Tennessee State University to study the hemp plant. Turns out their special patent-pending CBD-CBDA formula is twice as effective as CBD alone and can be more effective than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. So if you're tired of tossing and turning like a rotisserie chicken, then Tanasi's got your back with their range of great products from tinctures to gummies to lotions. Tanasi is my go-to when I can't sleep or I have way too much anxiety. I'm so glad that I discovered them. So go to Tanasi.com and use the code POWER to get 25% off your order. That's Tanasi.com, T-A-N-A-S-I, to get 25% off your first order with the promo code POWER. Are you tired of your digestive system feeling like a circus act gone wrong? Introducing Ritual's 3-in-1 Gut Superhero Symbiotic Plus, a probiotic, prebiotic, and postbiotic all rolled into one. And with 25% off with the code POWER, there's no better time to check out Ritual. Let's break it down. Probiotics are like the cool kids at the gut party, keeping everything in check and making sure the good vibes are flowing. Prebiotics are their wingmen, fueling the party with all the right snacks to keep the good bacteria thriving. And postbiotics, well, they're like the cleanup crew, sweeping away the mess and leaving your gut feeling fresh and fabulous. So say goodbye to the gut drama and remember, there's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com power. I see a lot of people take a break, drink again, and beat themselves up for being a loser. Breaks are really important for collecting data on your drinking. We need proof that it's never going to be different, and we need the experiences to fully understand what alcohol is doing to us. In this episode, I'm going to walk you through two different breaks that I took from drinking, how they helped me get to acceptance, and what you can do to accelerate your timeline and quit drinking a little bit sooner. So let's dig in. Welcome 
welcome back to the Sober Powered Podcast. I am your host, Jill, and today we're getting a little bit more personal than usual. So my drinking really took off when I became a teacher because of the high stress, low pay, and long hours. I even had a boss once get mad at me because I didn't answer an email fast enough that she had sent at 7 a.m. on a Saturday morning. I taught for five years before I hit my limit and I blamed teaching for getting drunk all the time. So naturally, if I just switch my career, then I won't have to drink as much. So I switched my career and I got a job working in a lab and it was a very different experience from teaching. I could take lunch breaks, I didn't have to rush around, I wasn't expected to constantly answer emails at all hours, and with this extra time, I decided to start going to therapy again. At this point, five years into my drinking, I was getting pretty concerned that I might be an alcoholic, so I went to therapy to ask. My therapist said that she didn't think I was an alcoholic, but asked me to stop drinking for a week and see. And first of all, anyone who's wondering if they're an alcoholic is probably having some significant consequences from their drinking. So it sucks that she told me I wasn't one because that was very validating And it was convincing me that other people didn't think what I was doing was bad. And someone who's a professional like that, her opinion mattered a lot. And second, I was a daily drinker, so a week seemed like a lot. I was very committed to proving that I wasn't an alcoholic though, so I did it. I knew I would have a lot of free time, so I planned things to keep myself occupied. I looked at the Boston events page and tried to find things going on in my area. And I found a grilled cheese festival, and it was really fun. And I would have never done anything like that before because there's no alcohol there, so why would I go? And this was important because I proved to myself that it was possible to have fun without drinking alcohol. Before, I believed that it was impossible to have a good time unless you were drinking, and anyone who didn't drink was a boring, sad weirdo. So I completed the seven days, and I went back and I told my therapist that I did it. We determined I could not possibly be an alcoholic because it wasn't hard to take a break, and I went right back to doing what I was doing before. And the thing is, I didn't really take this break on my own. I was challenged to take a break to prove I wasn't an alcoholic. That's very different. Of course I was going to do it because if I couldn't complete the week, then it meant I'd have to probably get sober. And that seemed like the worst case scenario ever and like the end of the world. And this is also why I recommend people go to therapy. You have to see your therapist every week, whether it's online or in person, it doesn't really matter. You have to tell them whether you drink or not. That is really strong accountability. And if therapy does not make sense for you because of where you live or your insurance situation or your financial situation, the same thing can happen in a community, whether that's AA or my community or something else. In my group, people think about drinking and then they think about the group. And a lot of times they make it through the craving because they don't want to have to tell us about how they drank. So accountability is really important. My next opportunity to take a break was about two years later when a friend who was struggling with her own drinking asked if I would do dry January with her. And I was horrified. Why would I do dry January when my goal was to moderate? 
Taking breaks is not going to help me learn how to stop drinking once I start. I told her no, and once I got sober, I felt really bad about not supporting her for years. But in my mind, I had to practice starting and stopping because if I practiced moderating enough, then I'd learn how to do it naturally. So after the one week challenge, I kept drinking every day for years and trying to moderate without success and the consequences continued to build. My mental health kept getting worse until I really just couldn't suffer anymore. I was desperate. I was trying so hard to control my drinking and find the right strategy, but no matter what I did, I continued to mess up and get too drunk. What I understand now is that I started out with poor mental health, and as the years passed, my brain kept adapting to all the alcohol I was drinking, and my baseline got lower and lower. I would tell myself that I was a bad person, a horrible wife, and that I deserved awful things to happen to me. I felt like I really deserved to be punished just because I couldn't moderate my drinking. The thoughts were getting scarier and scarier, and I was genuinely afraid for myself. I would keep myself up all night thinking about what a weak-willed loser I was, and my poor husband would stay awake with me, trying to comfort me and help me go back to sleep. One day at 5.30 a.m., after keeping us up all night long, we were watching the sun come up in silence, and I looked over at my husband and I said, I can't drink for 90 days. I was so desperate for a change, and 30 days didn't feel like enough. Now, my intention was 100% wrong going into this, which caused problems for me later, but 30 days didn't feel like enough time to cure me of my problem drinking, reset my tolerance, and break the bad habit. 30 days is actually a lot if you're experimenting with sobriety, so don't be discouraged that 30 days isn't good. It is still wonderful. I went into the 90-day challenge knowing that I was going to drink again. I wasn't interested in sobriety at all. I was just desperate to moderate, and I thought this was the only solution. I did the 90 days, and I was cranky and bitchy for basically the entire time because I didn't do any of the work. I didn't get support. I didn't try to learn anything. I didn't look at any sober stuff. I just didn't drink. And I did have good experiences because when you don't drink and you live your life, some of it's going to be good. And if you listen to episode 162, What to Expect Cognitively When You Quit Drinking, then you know that the cognitive benefits are a bit slower to show up. Right around 60 days sober, I felt like my brain turned back on and I could think again. It felt like I had been dreaming for the past seven years and I finally woke up. With my new working brain, I made a very important connection that I could never forget for the rest of my life. All of the middle of the night anxiety and suicidal thoughts disappeared as soon as I stopped drinking. Now, isn't that interesting? Before, I thought that it was all just me. Like, oh, add another problem to the list. But when I did my 90-day break, I realized that alcohol was causing my anxiety and suicidal thoughts. And that as long as I didn't drink, I wouldn't have to feel that way. It was really empowering. So I decided to do what most people do when they feel empowered and impulsive. I got a tattoo on my chest to represent being free from those scary thoughts. And that's my uh, semicolon bird tattoo that you may have seen. Unfortunately, though, 
I was still convinced that I would be cured after 90 days sober and I would be able to moderate. So as long as I didn't get drunk, I wouldn't have to feel anxious and suicidal, that I would be fine. And this is how powerful alcohol is. I realized that my drinking was making me suicidal and I still believed that I would figure it out. And also, when have we ever heard of anyone figuring it out in the thousands of years of problem drinking? So I really thought that I would be the first. And I thought that because I was convinced that I was different from everybody else. And that's also why I didn't need support and other people did, because I was different. But in reality, I wasn't different at all. There was nothing unique about my drinking or my experience. And I explained why we keep believing that it's going to be different this time in episode 97, if you're interested. So I went back to drinking on day 91, which also happened to be my birthday. And I thought that it was a sign from the universe that I was going to be cured. Well, I got way too drunk and blacked out, but... It was easy to blame that on other people and not me, so I kind of gave that one a pass. We got a free shot at dinner for my birthday, so it was the server's fault that I got too drunk, not mine. Because that free shot was not part of my moderation plan, but how can you say no to free alcohol, right? So after that, I was able to moderate for two months, but that was not because I was cured. It was because I had enough distance from alcohol that my brain had healed a bit. Despite that, the pathways that I had carved out in my brain never went away, so I quickly returned to my normal way of drinking. And I explained these pathways and why this happens in episode 99, but some drinkers are able to moderate or drink lightly after a break. But that's not how we actually drink, and eventually things will return to normal. So if you are wanting to take a break and thinking that you're going to be cured at the end, I promise you, you're not. So after two months of moderating, we went on a cruise and I was going to be a special occasion drinker. So I drank the way I wanted to, totally ruined that vacation with so many embarrassing moments. And then I came home and drank for four more months. And by the time I got home from that week-long cruise, I was drinking exactly like I was before my 90-day challenge, and I couldn't get any control back. And this is why I never recommend testing out your sobriety. You never know if you're going to get stuck in drinking again and not able to get out. I got stuck blowing up my life for four months, but some people get stuck for years, and it's really just not worth the risk. Because I'm telling you, you're not going to be able to moderate your drinking. So no need to test it. As soon as I went back to my normal drinking, I saw the middle of the night anxiety and suicidal thoughts came right back too. And my drinking was even worse. I was skipping the buzz part and going from completely sober feeling to completely drunk. And it was infuriating because I wanted the buzz more than anything. I also started chugging and drinking way faster than I was before. And it's important to say this because our drinking always progresses. It's not just going to stay the same for years until you feel like things are better in your life and you can deal with it. It's going to continue to progress. After four months of misery and trying to regain control, I gave up for good. At 5.30 a.m. after keeping me and my husband up 
all night. We were watching the sunrise in silence and I said, I can never drink ever again. And that's it. I haven't. And it has been three and a half years. So you may feel frustrated with yourself after taking a break and going back to your same old miserable drinking, but I would not have my sobriety without those breaks. I had to learn that I could have fun without drinking and that my misery was directly caused by my drinking and it wasn't a me thing. Each break is an opportunity to learn and collect data on your drinking. So challenge yourself to put the shame aside and focus on what you've learned instead. Did you identify a new trigger? Did you learn that you can get through something with alcohol? Did you learn some of the negative consequences of your drinking? And the thing is, even though it sucks to go back and forth and it's frustrating and depressing, These learnings get us closer and closer to letting alcohol go for good. I feel like my work with this podcast and everything I do is designed to help you accelerate the process from being super curious to taking breaks and going back and forth to accepting that you just need to cut alcohol out of your life. But the best way to accelerate the process is by getting support and making your sober curiosity or soberness a part of your everyday routine. Don't dabble in it when you need it and then abandon it otherwise. I have a lot of things to support you if you look on my website and my community is always open for you. All are welcome. No requirements except that you're a nice person. But I think the reason that I had five years of being sober curious before I could quit for good is because I was alone. I didn't know that anyone was experiencing the things that I was experiencing. I thought that I was completely unique. And because of that, I also believed that I would be the first one ever to figure it out. So when you get in community or you go to therapy or you go to treatment or you go to an AA meeting, whatever that looks like for you, you see other examples of people and you see people just like you that drank exactly the way that you did and had the same consequences as you did. And you learn that you're not alone and your drinking is not unique at all. And you see other people quitting and living their best lives. So I think it's really important to reach out however you're comfortable and get some support. Listening to this podcast is awesome and I hope that you're still here with me and loving this episode, but you need two-way support, like a community or AA or smart recovery or therapy or treatment or whatever. So think about that if you're stuck in the back and forth, get extra support. And my community is always there if you want to join us for a meeting. And I will talk to you next week. It's Erin. And I'm Michaela, and we're the hosts of the Two Sober Girls podcast, and we are on a mission to spill the wild truth about sobriety. Forget the rosé all day cliche. Sobriety is flipping amazing. Absolutely. It's not just about quitting the drink. It's a gift you give yourself and your loved ones. So what are you waiting for? Break up with that old toxic relationship with alcohol and let us show you the possibilities. And here's the thing. 
everything your precious heart desires becomes way easier without the influence of alcohol. We're not just two sober girls. We're also wellness coaches. We're here to show you how to optimize health, lifestyle, and beauty, feel sexy and alive as F. So stay tuned because we're rolling out new episodes every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts and trust us. They have your name written all over them. We can't wait to share the magic of sobriety and wellness with you. Subscribe to Two Sober Girls Podcast today and come follow us on Instagram for behind the scenes action and send us a DM. We can't wait to meet you.